Oh, good morning, church. Good morning. Wow, it's a great day to continue to worship with you even the week after Easter. It's resurrection. He's still here. And that is the continuous message that we get to proclaim every single week that we gather. So my name is Toby. I serve here as the lead pastor, and it is such a joy. And just to, like, let you know what's going on around the church, right? Like, I get to serve in the Japanese church, and I was able to give the same message in Japanese this morning. And it's just such a beautiful thing because the Word of God from Luke 8 is, like, combining us and uniting us all. And just to be able to continue to walk through that. And today's title, we want to look at the concept of God of miracles. So, church, this morning, do you believe in miracles? You know, you're right. That's great. And here is a clip that proves that we are all a miracle, right? Because our lives, this existence, this world, the universe, it's amazing. So here's a video that just mesmerized me when I first watched this. And I want to show this to you. I think it is taken from Google. And let's go. Okay, so take your journey, right? Oh, this is a, a vision that keeps, keeps expanding. So that was Lewis laying in the garden of... Uh, Google headquarters in NorCal, and now you can see kind of the whole region of, you know, Cupertino, or no, maybe not, but that uh, up, up north, okay? And then we see Northern California kind of as a whole. Now we're already seeing the continent of Northern America. Wow, it's already planet Earth, and it's keep going, keep going. We see the moon. Wow, 100 million kilometers. Wow, how much mile is that? I don't know, but anyways, um, just keep going, and you see the whole inner planets. We see the sun almost. It's incredible, the world that we live in. That's the sun right there. And then now we're into the even further out than that. I mean, that's something that we can still see with our own eyes, I guess. But man, this is like 10 light years away, 100, 1,000. I mean, it keeps going. I mean, just realize this is the world that we get to sit here in this room in Costa Mesa, but we're part of this universe right here. The galaxy neighborhood. I mean, Milky Way. <laughs> like, I'm it's blowing my mind right now. Super cluster. Cosmic web. And then let's go back. Let's zoom right back into where we are woo it's coming it's coming it's coming back to us our friends in northern california right there oh well, not yet <laughs> here we go so we see lewis right here again laying in the google lawn and now we're gonna go inside her here we go <laughs> okay so we thought space this galaxy is out there but it's actually in us as well. Isn't it incredible? Just going into the little things that we can't even see now. Well, I guess you can from this part, but it's chromosomes, nanometer, and then I heard this term picometer. What is that, right? It's coming. Here you go, picometers. I don't even know if I said that right, but it's coming in, and electrons, and I mean, it's incredible. We thought that was, that look, even just looks like the galaxy right there. And we find the nucleus, protons. I was really bad at chemistry, so, or biology. I don't even know where it was, but, so I, I'm butchering it. But some of you are very good at these things, but this exists inside of us. It's incredible. Whew. Ah, that was a journey. 
So now, I mean, just looking at this clip, I mean, it just makes you smile. Like, what is just going on just around us and within us? We are truly a miracle. Just to live, just to breathe, it's a miracle. When you take a breath inside, I mean, unless God says you could breathe out again, we will not be here. I mean, you know how amazing every day and the fact that we get to sit in this room praising God together I mean, that in itself is a beautiful miracle and something to be thankful, right? Today we're going to look at the works in uh, chapter 8 of Luke. And Luke provides the gospel account, which is the life account of Jesus. And we're looking at chapter 8, verses 22 through 56. It's going to be a big area that we're going to cover. But we're going to focus on these four different miracles. And we're going to look at each words that Jesus said here in this miracle. So there's four miracles. One is he calmed the storm. Secondly, he, uh, he uh, healed the man who was possessed by a demon. His name was Legion, and it was inside of this man, and it was kind of pretty crazy. We're going to get into that. And then thirdly, we're going to look at this woman who was healed from her sickness. Fourthly, we're going to look at Jairus' daughter who was brought back to life. So Easter theme is going on here today as well. We're going to look at his words. And before we do that, I want to show you a map. I just recently got to go to Israel for the very first time, and I was on the Sea of Galilee and here is their map. Right here, right here into the left is the map of Israel. So Sea of Galilee is located in the northern part of Israel. And here is like the top half of Sea of Galilee. And if you can see the, the triangle that says Chorazim, uh, Capernaum, and Bethsaida, that's the triangle of ministry of Jesus. So he spent mainly his life, 80% of his life was in that triangle. Most of his life was in there, and he was ministering to many people. You know, And if you go a little to the left, there's Nazareth where he grew up. But anyways, this is where he took many of the... Uh, you know, his ministry took place there. And as you can see, the, these days on the news, you hear Golan, Golan uh, Heights right now. We hear that on the news a lot, it was Syria and Israel. But that's where they're at, right? And then Jesus, most likely, because he was there so often, he's in Capernaum. And he is traveling to right here, where my finger is pointing, Gergesa or Gerasa is Gerasene is where he's going. So this is kind of the map that we're going to, you know, uh, ponder upon today. So while crossing this Sea of Galilee, this crazy storm hits that boat again on where Jesus is on. And, you know, it was so bad that they were feeling like they're going to drown to death. But crazy thing is these are mainly, Jesus' disciples are mainly fishermen, right? So former fishermen, so they're used to this. But for them to panic and says, oh no, we're going to die. I mean, that is a crazy storm. I mean, probably the worst thing that they could ever, they have ever witnessed, they're panicking, right? So then they're like, Jesus, Jesus, help us. But where was Jesus? He was on the back of the ship sleeping. Right? I mean, he was sleeping, and, and then they're like, come on, do something, Jesus. So that's where the first miracle takes place here in this account. And verse 24 says, Jesus got up, you know, like wiping his eyes, and he's like, all right. And then he looks at the storm. He rebukes the wind and the raging water. And so basically what he's doing is he's talking against nature. He's like, hey, you, nature. And nature obeys, right? So the calmness comes back again. The water is flat again. And then he turns to the disciples. Jesus looks to them and says, where is your faith? Can't you see that I'm with you? 
And that was a message that the disciple was like, whoa, what just happened? And he just talked to the nature of the, the winds and the, and, the, and the waves, and they obey. So let's go back to the map. So he, that's taking place in, in that area of, of, of the sea. So, so probably that took place, you know, say around here, but he's going here to Gergesa. And at, when he reached that point, he is greeted by this crazy man whose name is Legion. Well, that's the evil spirit that lived inside this man. And it was so bad that he lived his life, he, he lived on the, the graveyard, and he was naked, and he was just going crazy, and people had like, oh, what is he, you know, people were like, this guy's crazy, so they didn't want nothing to do with him, so then this man just comes up to Jesus, and it's so interesting, when you look at this um, in that passage, the man says, um, the, the, the spirit inside, the evil spirit says, son of God, the highest, please don't torture me, I mean, the spirit, the evil spirit knows Jesus' name and his authority. And he's like, don't, 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 don't you hurt me. That was the attitude of this evil spirit. Can't you, can you just imagine the conversation must have been? And then verse 29, we see that Jesus ordered that spirit to leave. So earlier, Jesus showed his authority with his words against nature. Now he's displaying that authority over the spirit. So nature and spirit obeys Jesus words and that's a miracle that is taking place because he is being released and his name is legion which means a army or a big group of army and roman army back then the biggest group that was called a legion i mean that's what it means and then the the legion this army of evil spirit which is so crazy to think about goes into this 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 pigs i mean pigs you know and then it went in and you hear, probably remember that story the pig just kind of goes wild and go into the sea. So here's a picture. Here's the boat that I got on when uh, when we were traveling on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you know, this uh, it wasn't as great as this. I mean, it wasn't as big as this, but their boat back then, and imagine Jesus in the back. And as we were going through this, we went to see this next picture is the scene of Gerasgesa. And you see the boat. So that's another boat, and there's maybe another one in the back or in the forward. And then if you could see, you see that area where it's like this, like this, the cliff is being like that. That is exactly where the pigs were. And they all jumped off that cliff into the Sea of Galilee. So that's exactly the scene that Jesus, you know, imagine 2,000 years ago, Jesus was right there. So the, the lesion, the spirit is gone and the man is cured. And then the people were like, wow, what just happened? But now they got scared. They're like, Whoa, that's way too much for us to handle. So Jesus, would you, could you leave this area, please? And then Jesus just kind of was let go. And then the guy is like, dude, Jesus, can I follow you? Because you just saved my life. Of course, right? He was so super eager to ask Jesus. And this is what Jesus said in 39. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So he basically, Jesus encouraged him to go testify what took place that's all he did there because he was sent back home because nobody else wanted to get healed or no one, you know, and it's kind of sad, but it's kind of pretty cool to think that Jesus went just to meet this man, just to deliver him over there. And Jesus does that. He does things just for you, you and I, 
He will go out of your way to reach out to you. And that's something that we could learn from here. Let's go back to the map. So he was at the Garagessa, and he's going back to most likely Capernaum, right? So he's traveling back because that's all that took place in that region. And he's going back. And when he comes back, people were waiting at the dock, right? Like, Jesus, come back, come back, because the reputation of Jesus is going skyrocket. He's teaching and he's healing, and people wanted to see him. But among the crowd, there was one person in particular that really wanted to see Jesus. His name was Jairus. Jairus is a, uh, a synagogue leader who took care of that synagogue, which was their version of the church back then in the Jewish faith. So Jairus was a very respected man. So people were like, well, if Jairus needs something, please, you know, let's go, 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 go ahead, kind of, because he had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying at home. Can you imagine your daughter, your son, dying at home? Of course, he's begging Jesus to come. So he's like, come on, Jesus, here, here, get out of the way, come on, come on. So that's what's happening, because there's tons of people just crowding around Jesus at that particular moment. So just imagine that, just I don't know if you went to the rubbish sale earlier. It was kind of like that, right? People were like all over. It's like packed. And that's kind of how it was. And Jesus, through that crowd, some amazing story take place. And this is miracle number three. Among the crowd, there was this woman. The woman need, believed that if she touches Jesus' cloak, he will, she will be healed. Healed from what? It says in the Bible that she was bleeding for 12 years. So most likely this was a, uh, for women, you know, it's that, uh, it, it's, it's the menstrual cycle, but not just like once a month, but for her, 12 years. Yes, I mean, <laughs> as real as it gets, right? I mean, 12 years, and, 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 and she goes to the doctor and cannot get cured. I mean, she is so devastated, but here's the point. At that time, in the region or that religion or this culture, that cycle for women for those days within the month, they had to be segregated because they were considered unclean. And that's just kind of a horrible mindset. But that was real back then. So imagine that going on for 12 years. She's not allowed to touch anybody. She can't hug anybody. Nobody could say hello and just, just go out to a meal, a casual lunch together. It cannot happen because she was unclean for 12 years. And that's the life that she was living in. She didn't want to get caught touching Jesus because she's not supposed to be there, right? So she must have, you know, put some extra clothes on and sunglasses. I don't know if they have that. I don't think so. But you know, you know what I mean. She's trying to make herself discreet. She didn't want to get noticed. So she touched it and she felt the healing take place. I don't know, man. It's just like, woo, You know, just like it just got healed. So she was like, all right, let's go home. Let's go home. That was her. But as she was going home, she heard a voice. Who touched me? Right? I mean, and she was like, uh-oh, he noticed me. Maybe not for the fear of him noticing her. She had the fear of people pointing a finger at her. You unclean woman, you touched who? I mean, that type of something reaction she expected, right? Just imagine what's going on. And then Peter, though... <laughs> It's like, yo, Jesus, are you kidding? You know, you see the crowds just coming at you. I mean, you, you, you're saying, who touched you? Come on, we got to get to Mr. Jairus' house. So stop the nonsense. Let's go. But Jesus would not stop, or Jesus would not leave. He's like, 
I felt a power going out of me, right? And he's like looking, like seriously looking. And the woman was like, uh-oh, I better come and tell what happened. So she did. She came up to Jesus and says, I touched you for these reasons. She might have taken her sunglasses off. And she's like, Jesus, this is what happened. This is what I've been going through. And I needed you. She shared that among every single person in that. It was a surreal moment, right? I mean, it was like, a, but there was one person that could not take that. He was Jairus, right? Jairus is like, what are you doing? I need you more than her. I, mean, I don't know how she felt, he felt, but he must have been like, come on, Jesus. I mean, what are you talking about? What are you talking to this woman? You need to come to my house. But Jesus had to stop for her. Why? Here's a question. Did Jesus really not know where she was? Think about that. Did Jesus really not know where or who touched him? This is a story that when I was growing up in the the Japanese congregation of this church growing up, really hit me. I was a adolescent, you know, I was a teenager and I didn't really care about going to church and I, I was there because I had to, I was forced to be there. But this particular story really hit home for some reason. I realized this guy, Jesus, is a very interesting man. Because when I was listening to the preacher, he asked the same question. And I began to wonder, what if she just says, oh, I was healed, good, and left? Yes, she was healed from her sickness, but nothing truly would change her. You know what I mean? Because she would have gone home, she would have celebrated by herself, but her problem wasn't the sickness. Yes, it was a problem, but it wasn't the problem. The problem for her was loneliness. She was alone. She couldn't talk to people. She couldn't touch people. Nobody, I mean, she felt so isolated from the world. And of course, and you probably know this, but that's going to affect your relationship with God. You can't go to church. She couldn't go to synagogue. She can't worship God because she was afraid what people might think of her. So she was isolated from the world and from God. And Jesus could not let that keep going. So for that purpose, he had to stop and says, who touched me? So for her to come out and says, this is what happened. I needed your help. I mean, in the most beautiful, (coughs) wonderful words, Jesus says, verse 30, 48, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You don't have to disguise yourself. You could go and talk and and, and let people hug you. And, and, you know, know, her life truly changed, not just from the healing of the, the sickness, but from loneliness. And now... What's going on with Jairus, right? Jairus is like, come on, my daughter is sick. And and then somebody from his house came and told him the most devastating news. She's dead. Jairus is like, you just wasted 10 minutes where you could have been with her. I mean, I don't know if that's what he felt, but I could imagine he was going crazy. But to him... Jesus says something, verse 50, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. And he was like, 
what? Are you serious? I just, they just told me she's dead. All right, well, let's go. And Jairus, Jesus, and the disciples go. And it's another crazy story. Because when you walked in the room, his house, she's dead. And everybody's like mourning already. I mean, just imagine a scene where it's just someone just passed away. Silence. And then Jesus breaks the silence by saying, verse 50, don't be afraid. Just believe. And sh- oh, I'm sorry, verse 52. No need to weep. She is not dead, but asleep. Shocking. I mean, imagine. It was offensive, right? I mean, people think she's dead. And Jesus says, oh, she's just sleeping. I mean, people began to outrage. What are you talking about? Can't you see she's dead? And he, people are laughing at Jesus. You are so, you know, and it's just a lot of emotion. But then verse 54, Jesus says, my child, another translation, my daughter, get up. And she does. (laughs) She wakes up, just like Jesus said. And then what's so beautiful is Jesus says, or he, he tells the people, make sure she gets something to eat. Make sure she eats. He's caring for, not just for her spiritual well-being, but her physical well-being. And just a beautiful story, the fourth miracle of Jesus in this account. So Jesus showed his authority in the miracle against nature, spirit, sickness, slash loneliness, perhaps our biggest enemy. And then, well, second biggest enemy because our biggest enemy, which he showed authority over, was death. And we saw his miracle against all four of these things. And the Bible is full of these stories because, for real, God is a God of miracles. Amen? And that is the book that we get. I didn't hear amen. Come on. Amen? Good. Okay, fine. Good, good, because this book that Dan just explained, the Bible, is a book of miracle. I mean, a 66 books consisted by, written by 40 different authors in the span of 100, I'm sorry, 1,000, uh, 1,500 to 1,800 years, and it's going on, and, and, and now they're writing of the same theme about this God of miracles, and there's 300-plus prophecies of of, of this Messiah that is coming in the Old Testament that was all fulfilled by Jesus Christ. I mean, just what is the probability of that happening, of 300 plus, all happening? I mean, even something, I mean, this is a famous story, but even just eight miracles fulfilled by one person. For example, you know, he has to be born in Bethlehem. He's born of a virgin, uh, and he's like a, a lamb that is being pre- taken to a place of slaughter. I mean, it's just even eight of them being fulfilled in one man in one time in history is like one in a 10 times 17th power or something. I'm always talking about math things now because we got mathematicians in here. And, 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 you know, the probability of that is it's like, okay, so if you look okay, at you have a dime, right? A dime and you put an X on the dime. You just hold on to that dime. But then it is now randomly thrown into this pool of dimes. And that dime, all the dime is being, have you been to an NFL stadium, right? I mean, have you been, so you put a dime all over the field, okay? All over the field. And not just that, stack them up. Stack them up, keep going until you reach the moon. <laughs> Can you just imagine? And in that set of dimes, I mean, you can't even think. 
that, remember that dime that you put an X on? Blindfoldedly, you take out a dime out of the whole entire pile, and it's the one. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Is that true, Professor? That is a crazy probability. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so that is what is going on, and that's the book that we get to have in front of us, and we have the pleasure and the privilege of opening that up and discover that. I mean, just a beautiful thing. It is fully a miracle. And now we are surrounded by miracles. We are made of miracles, as you saw in the video. And, you know, you saw the sun and, and the earth. And if it was like, if the earth was tilted just even slightly, then we will go off that spin and we'll be just like, a meteor or something, or if, if it was a little bit closer to the sun, we'll just burn to death. If it was a little bit farther away, it will freeze to death. I mean, it is just so precisely perfect. Is that a coincidence? Is that by accident? Or do we have a creator that designed all that? How perfectly everything is. Our life is nothing but miracles, just if you have the faith to think about that. And the miracle is happening in your life right now. Just imagine your parents, your grandparents, your ancestors. If, none of them, if one of them didn't meet one another, you would not be here. If you and your husband, your, your wife, if you are married and you have kids, if you guys didn't meet, none of your kids or grandkids would exist. Can you imagine that? I mean, just the fact that we met here and now in Costa Mesa, we're worshiping together. I mean, that in itself is a miracle. Is it not? Is it something to be thankful for? Because if not, then we'll just say, oh, that's a coincidence. Ha! Huh? No, it's a miracle, and we are made up of that. And can you have the faith to say those, all the miracles that exist in this world is God's testimony of his love for me and you and I? Are we giving the proper thanks to God for the miracles that has taken place right now? There's not even one coincidence. There's not even one second of chance. And now we have the chance to live out our lives thanking for that miracle and testifying for your miracle. And I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. Some t before, I, I shared you about my miraculous story about how I was healed from juvenile rheumatoid arthritis because the doctor said I was going to walk. But at the age of six, I was hospitalized. And, and, and at that time, I first got to hear Jesus in my kindergarten. So I prayed to Jesus every day, and I knew he was going to heal me. And I knew it. Everybody else says, oh, you might be in a wheelchair. But no, I'm going to walk. I mean, imagine just, just this amazing faith of a little boy. Um, and, and as a six-year-old, I believed in that. And it did happen. Because what happened was I got a case of measles. So when the measles was gone, the arthritis was healed. That's a miracle. And everybody's like, whoa, that's a miracle. I was like, no, it was Jesus. Man, go, six-year-old me, right? Anyways, um, <laughs> But that really helped my mom to get to know the Lord, and she became a Christian, and just like, whoa, that's an amazing faith. But that, has, that story has a continuation that I, I haven't shared yet. So after a year later, um, our family moved to the United States. Through uh, Linda's mom, Michi Endo, we found this church, and we, we, we got to go to this church. And, but my, my life wasn't, you know, I, mean, I, I started kind of falling away from Jesus, and, and you know, I kind of, live my life freely as I was a teenager, but my mom really made me to come, so like I had to be here. It was an obligation, but you know, I didn't want to be here, and I was like sitting in the back of the room, always just like, ah, whatever, you know, that kind of attitude. It was horrible, but one day in my teenage day, there was this guest speaker that came into the Japanese service because it was in that fellowship room back then, 
And this guy came in a wheelchair and was a guest speaker. He was a pastor from somewhere, I don't even know, from Japan. And he shared a message, but I couldn't hardly hear his message because he stuttered. He couldn't really talk that well. And as a rebellious teenager, I was like, yeah, what is this guy? You know, what, he has to, what does he have to share? And I was really kind of half-heartedly listening. But when I first began to hear what he said, it captured me because he said, as a kid, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And I was like, oh, that's me, too. And, and he was in a wheelchair. Oh, well, I guess that was real. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Like, I could have been in that shoes or in that wheelchair. Um, and then he said something cr- even more crazy. He said, I had the, the symptom of measles, and that got to my brain, and, it, I, and, I, I, I couldn't, and I lost my speech, or I began to stutter. I was like, whoa, that could have been me. And it was a staggering comparison between where I, where I was at in my life. He was overflowing with joy of salvation, and, and he loved Jesus. He's proclaiming Jesus, even with the stuttering voice that he had. He was praising God and living for Christ. And where was I? I mean, I had the freedom to walk and talk as much as I want, or, but I wasn't praising God at all in my life. I was basically disobeying and, and being very critical about everything. What am I doing in my life? That wasn't the exact occasion where I turned to Christ, but that was part of the, the season in my life where I began to know Jesus again. And now it is my mission in life, my goal in life, to proclaim the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to keep my, the praise of God on my lips at all time and not to be taken granted for what I, you know, this life that I have. And that is an invitation that I want to share with everybody, that we get to live with an overflow of thankfulness for the miracles in our lives, because our life is not an accident. We get to proclaim Jesus, and that is what we want to do, because we talked about all these different stories of miracle. Do you believe in a miracle? See, I want to even stay further. Don't just believe in the miracle but believe in the God of miracle, right? Because this, we're believing in God, not just the miracle, because it's not how wow we become to trust in God. It is everything that God does that amazes us, and we believe in that God. See, the, the invitation this morning is we want to believe. Do you believe in God because of those miracles? Because the real faith is the challenge or the invitation is Miracles happen to those who believe. It does. When we believe in God, we see everything as miracles, and God will continue to do miracles. And that is the invitation that we have in our lives today. Imagine what happened to that. To the just, just think about what happened to the disciples that was changed. That was that saw the resurrection power. And then all the miracles that took place in their lives began to strengthen them, and they began to proclaim that word. Imagine what took place in that man who was delivered from lesion. He began to proclaim and testify about the miracle of Jesus. That woman who was healed by Jesus that day began to know that life was not, I can't take anything for granted. Ordinary things and extraordinary miracles. She began to share how good Jesus was to her. Jairus and his daughter, of course, they began after the resurrection. I'm sure they were like, man, I was resurrected too by Jesus Christ. You see the testimony of this woman, this little girl, 12-year-old girl, began to share with the world, what will you do? When we already know that this is a miracle, 
You've already experienced that. And you know the power of the resurrection in your life. You've witnessed that. How will you overflow? How will you proclaim this God of miracle in your life? I believe there's three things, at least three things we could do. If you think of more things, go ahead and do it. But first thing I want all of us to do is to be thankful to God of miracles, of all the things in life. Be thankful, thankful, thankful. That's one. Number two is testify. Share the story of the miracles that you've witnessed. You know, I, I, I have many more stories that I've experienced. You probably have one, two, or three, or four, or five. Share that with somebody. So that's number two. Share the miracles that took place in your life. Thirdly, share with somebody that these ordinary things that we think, like everyday life, food, shelter, those are extraordinary miracles of God every single day because the breath, each breath that we take is a miracle. So with that, let's share that. So three things, thankful, testify, and then share with others how amazing life is. Can we do that, church? That's weak. Amen? Yeah. All right, so let's look at our weekly challenge. All right, so Luke 8 and 22 through 56. Read that carefully because there's different stories that might touch you. So I want you to think about, hey, just imagining in that scene of what was that like? Why is that story touching you? Just think about that. Number two, or grow. What are the miracles surrounding your life? Do you believe that that is an evidence, that is a testimony that God truly, truly loves and cares for you? And if you, if you have your phones, go ahead and take this picture or we'll send to you on an email on a Tuesday. But overflow, is there anybody who is in need of miracle, God's miracle that is, for that person? And if possible, with that person, would you pray for a miracle in their lives? Expect God to do something amazing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday. And it is not by coincidence but it is by your design that we are here. What a truly a miracle that is, that we get to celebrate you together here in this room. God, there's so many miracles surrounding our lives. May we take that, never take that for granted, and thank you for each and every miracle in, that took place in my life. And thank you, God, that that is a way for you to share with us how much you love us, how good you are. So God, from here forward, Help us to overflow with that gratitude, but also sharing and testifying your goodness to the world that we live in, those who are in need of hope. Lord, may you use us this week to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask you for you to strengthen this church and this congregation, every single person sitting here today. But maybe may you go with them as they go back to their, our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.